Hello, this is Darren. And this is Paige. And this is Where's, Where's the lemonade? lemonade? Where we talk about what happens when life throws you lemons. Make some lemonade? Uh, maybe. Some weeks it's lemon squares. Yeah, some weeks it's just lemons. Yeah. <laughs> In today's episode, we're going to talk about the... Horrible first year. It was pretty bad. Pretty <laughs> rough. Yep. For those of you who think that everything has been rosy, it hasn't. No, apparently maybe we've been um, painting our picture with a little too many flowers. <laughs> a lot of flowers. <laughs> so it, hindsight's twenty twenty, and we wear rose-colored glasses. Yes, and because things are so much better now. Um, but yes, my friend Laura, shout out to Laura. Um, she she said that we've we were a little too Pollyanna in our podcast. We need to be a little more real. So today, you're getting some real stuff. In fact, when we talked about this episode, we planned these episodes once a week, and when we talked about it, we were actually in the Sacramento airport waiting for a flight. Yep, we were heading to Vegas for Darren's dad's 80th birthday, and um, it was it was a little tension-filled waiting for our plane. Yes, it was. <laughs> and the plane was a little bit late, so that added a little bit to it. So, But yeah, we started talking about this episode and kind of outlining it, and it brought up some uh memories that were kind memories. of raw and yeah. hard yeah i think we still had some hurt feelings yes, we did <laughs> but we made it through it thank goodness <laughs> so and a lot of the things that we found that hard that we uh, mentioned were uh one was the meshing of kids i had six kids you had four all different ages and uh well except for two of the kids that were two weeks apart yeah we have two boys dallin and jake they are uh, yeah, just two weeks apart, and they were sixteen. So that was a it was a really rough age for a divorce for those kids. I mean, I don't want to minimize it for any of our other kids, but sixteen was a rough age, um, and it was hard on those two boys. Especially, it really was. And these two boys were diametrically opposed to each other. They were like night and day. They were. They were. And as much as we wanted them to be just good old buddies. Yeah, they, they would have nothing to do with that. <laughs> but they were never rude or mean to each no, other. they weren't. They just ignored each other. Yes, and it's kind of funny because now... They're actually really good friends. They're really good friends. They live in the same town up in Utah, and um, they're good friends. They're good friends, and I think they love each other now. And uh, so, yeah, so... Patience. patience. Patience is good. Yeah. But meshing kids can be difficult. Now, some of our other kids mesh really quickly, like our oldest daughter and our youngest daughter. They yep. just fell in love with each other right away. Now, there is a, you know, what, 16-year difference between them. Right. So it was a little bit easier. But Amanda, shout out to Amanda for really accepting the younger kids as her siblings right away. She did. She did. Yeah. Now, also, some other things that we found that were a little tough to do was meshing rules. It was more than a little tough to yeah. do. You're, you're being rosy yeah, right there. I was there. being rosy. You know, take off my rose. <laughs> it was tough. It was hard. It was, It was. yeah. Because there were different expectations for, for your kids and different expectations for my kids. Right. And even though we um, overall have the same moral compass and, you know, large it's rules, little rules. It's the little things. Yes. It's not like there was any big thing that we were different on. There wasn't. There was no big thing we were opposed on. I can't even on. imagine if there was. That yeah. would have been, you know, disastrous. Yeah. It was all little things. But yeah, that was that was hard. 
that was hard. You'd been raising your kids one way for 20 years. I'd been raising my kids one way for 20 years. And and we had to mesh those together. And what we found was when, um, when the kids first got together, the older kids, um, the rules were still the same as what they pretty much had in their own homes. Very little changes for them. But the younger kids, the rules were more consistent. There was no double rules, a rule for a step-sibling or a rule for a sibling. They had to be um, different for the different age groups, and we found that that uh, was one way to get through all that. Yeah, I really didn't discipline your older kids. You, you know, you just can't. You just yeah, can't go there. Exactly. Yeah, you can't. So you didn't really discipline my older kids. I didn't discipline your older kids. But the three youngest kids, we were just like, you know what? There's no way. They were four, five, and six. There's no way that just you can discipline when your kids are here. It's just yeah, it's not it possible. It doesn't make sense. And But we did set up some boundaries, and there were certain boundaries if any of my um, kids... Well, and all the kids heard me that one time. Remember when the house was dirty? We talked yes, about and that we, before. we talked about that in one of our other podcasts. Oh, yeah, yes. they all felt my wrath. And yes. I, that's the only time they've ever all heard me um, yell. So Yeah, that and that was rough. That was That's one of the other hard things about a second marriage with lots of kids involved is those kinds of expectations. Because, I don't know if you remember this, before we even got married. Oh, yes, um, I remember. Do you remember this, sweetie? <laughs> yes, I do. I... I had just quit my job in preparation for, you know, having a house full of seven kids with seven different schedules. And I had a day and I said, I'm going to come clean your house, Darren. And he says, oh, you know, my house is already pretty clean. And I was like, oh, cool. So Yeah, my definition of clean and Paige's definition of clean is very different. Very different. And in our home, there's four bathrooms. And oh, my goodness. They were picked up. So, yes, Darren's definition of clean is picked up, and mine is actually clean, and it was pretty funny, because he was like, oh, yeah, you don't have much to do over here. Yeah, when I came home from work that day, (laughs) Paige was sitting on the couch going, you're gross. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll hire a maid, and I'll work. (laughs) But uh, the the kids all learned how to clean uh, to Paige's standards. So different expectations in the house, all those things have to all come together. Yes, I think that we were um, a little naive on how we thought when we blended our family that love was going to conquer all, right? Yeah, and that love is not enough to conquer all. You it's need some not. strategies and some things like that. Yes, definitely. So let's talk about some of the logistics of blending a family. First off was the move. The move. That's that's hard. Well, and, and the house that we lived in and where to decide to move to. I, those are all really tough decisions to make. Yes, because in a lot of um, second marriages, you don't want to move into a house where one of the other spouses has lived. I think that's usually a kind of a touchy subject for, you know. For anyone, yeah. For anyone. And so um, that was kind of easier for us. You had the larger house. You owned your house. I was renting. And it was a house I had not lived in with my um, ex-wife. Right. It was a house that I actually bought after the divorce. Right. So it was really a blank canvas. Yep. Yep. Had seven bedrooms. So it was... It was perfect for us. It was perfect for us. So that was kind of an easy easy one for us. Well, kind of easy. Hard. Easy for us to decide that this was the house we were going to live in, but not easy for the kids to make those adjustments. Yeah, and and not even not even just that. Just think about two houses because you had a house. It had what three, four bedrooms. Four bedrooms. Yep. Right. We had to move your stuff 
and all your kids' stuff into this house. Right, which was already filled which with... Which was already filled with <laughs> my kids' stuff. Right, and your stuff. And my stuff, and a garage full of boxes that continually get moved around. Yeah. So that was that was tough. So knowing what to keep and what to throw away was really hard. It was, because it was like, okay, I've got a kitchen that's full of dishes, and you've got a kitchen that's full of dishes. So... We, we kind of packed up my house, brought it over here, like the kitchen, and then as we would open things, we would kind of look at what you had and what I had, and, and we'd go throw things away. toss. Yep. Yep. But also there were other things, too, and we still have some of them out in the garage that are from your ex-husband's family, heirlooms. Oh, yeah, of course. Right? That, you know, I had to be sensitive to, hey, these are my stepkids' things that right. will be handed down to them someday, so I have to make room in the garage for that. Yep, definitely. Right, even though it was like, "Ooh, I'm inviting my wife's ex-husband's stuff into my house." It, at first, I was, you know, I was bristling a little bit, but I had to swallow some pride and say, "Well, what's best for the kids in that respect?" That's right. And you know what? The first year is about swallowing a lot of pride. It yeah, really is. Yeah, and I didn't always do good on that. We'll talk well, about that one. Yeah, later. neither one of us did so well, but we we worked on it. But yeah, so moving the ki- and then moving my kids from their friends and their church and their schools over here because we are about thirty five minutes away from where I used to live, um, and we did try and let my son Jake, uh, we st- let him try to continue to go to the school back, you know, in Lincoln, but it was it was hard. It was hard to have him drive that far, and it was rough. So he did that for one semester and then and then ended up moving over here. So it was a big, big change. New house, new stepdad, new steps. It was a little bit easier for Sam because he hadn't started school yet. He started kindergarten here. Yes. In fact, he actually lived with me um, to go to kindergarten here about a month before we actually got married. He did? Yeah, he he'd did. stayed here every night. So it was kind of interesting. I had... Uh, a little buddy with me, even when my kids weren't here. Yep. Sam was with me all the time. Yep. So that was, that was you know, it was difficult for, for my kids, I think, because they were... They um, were transplanted. They were transplanted. And we all kind of felt like guests in this home. And we had to figure... So when did that stop? When did you feel like this was really your house? I have no idea. I don't remember if it was a... I don't think it was a day... You know what I mean? I don't think I went, oh, today I don't feel like it. I think it's just a gradual, a gradual, a gradual thing. Because I'm sure almost anyone kind of would feel that way if you are if you moved into someone else's town or things like that. Now, another thing, a church is very important to us. Right. Right. And uh, we struggled with church a little bit because we wanted to decide, well, where are we going to church? Right. So we ended up going to the same congregation as my ex-wife. Because she lived, when we got married... She actually lived down the street. She lived down the street. So this is actually kind of funny. I remember when we were um, dating, and Darren tells me, yeah, my ex-wife just lives seven houses up. And I said, oh, so you didn't buy a house with your new wife in mind? And he said, no, I didn't, because he bought it with his kids in mind. And at the time, that was tough. I thought it was kind of crazy that your ex-wife was just living seven houses uh, up the street, but that has just been a blessing overall for the kids. So I mean, it's only taken seven years to get to this point where yeah. she'll call it a blessing. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think I've always called it a blessing for the kids. Yeah. Because um, it has. It's It's been... It's been easy for them to go back and forth. Oh, I forgot my yes. violin, or I forgot my piano books, or my homeworks at mom's. Right. They could easily walk down the street and get it. Right. But yeah, I think it's... It, I think, you know... It was hard, and I think she would say it was hard too. Oh, that, absolutely. You know, two two women in these kids' lives, you know, a mom and a stepmom, um, taking up space, you know, on the same street. And no, I mean, after about a year, um, she moved down around the corner, so it wasn't every day. We couldn't just see her house from our house right. anymore. It changed, right. but yeah, she's still what not even a half a mile away. Yeah, and once again, that is a blessing for the kids for sure. But it was hard for us. Because we are in the same congregation at church as her. We have similar friends. Yes. And as people know, when you get divorced, you... It's never amicable. I don't know who has ever said, oh, it was an amicable divorce. Right. There's a lot of raw feelings there. So there's always uh, transition. Transition. And, you know, who when you have joint friends, you've got friends that are, you know going to pick her side and friends that are going to pick your side. And you've got friends in the middle that are trying to balance both. what to do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's re- it's really challenging. So it, it's important to be patient with your friends and um, find, you know, find those friends that you can confide in. And, you know, it's, it's tougher for you than me, for sure. It was really hard for me to move from my congregation um, in Lincoln where I, you know, that that they were taking care of me. Yeah, they helped you get through your divorce. They did. They they you know, they were my family. And then I moved here to this congregation where your wife um you know had been for I think you guys had only lived here a couple of years. Yeah, a year. But um yeah, so I didn't know who was friends with her, who I could talk to. And and not because I didn't want to talk to whoever fr- was friends with her, but I want to be respectful. And if someone is her really good friend, I, you know, I'm like, okay, you, I don't want to rock the boat. You stay her good friend. You know, I, I'm all, I love loyalty. So yeah. So it was, a, it was a little of a, of a landmine well, yeah. situation it, where it I was. didn't quite know where to step. And you know what? It was really hard for about a year. It was very hard. There was a lot of tears yes, shed over this. A lot of tears. I just, I just felt like I couldn't be myself. I really felt like I could not be myself, um, that people were always looking at me, judging me. I just, oh, man. And I'm a pretty confident person, but that it was... It's got to be tough. And it was I can't, I, I can't really empathize. It was hard for me, and I was trying everything I could to help you out, and I didn't know what to do. You were. You were. You tried really hard, but it was just something I had to work through. Yeah. Now, another thing that was kind of a silly thing, but it was going out to dinner. Like to a restaurant. <laughs> now, when you've got seven kids, that means we've got nine people eating in a restaurant. First off, it's hard to find a restaurant that will seat nine people last minute. So we always had to plan this out ahead of time. Yes, and it's 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 very expensive. I mean, even to go to fast food, we were dropping you know seventy five bucks just to you know it was oh, just easily yeah. easily. And when I used to take my kids out to dinner. I always bought them a soda at dinner because we didn't we didn't have soda in our house. So this was a treat, right? We went out to dinner and we didn't watch dinner a ton. When we did, we got a soda. That was and, just our treat. And we went out to dinner more, but we always got water because I was used to six kids because sodas run about $2 a pop or maybe even $3 a pop. So you times that, there's 20 bucks. And maybe I'm being silly, it's saving $20, but 
now you've added three, four more people to this now. So we actually had an argument over soda and water. Not even an argument. It was an ongoing. Over- it was an ongoing. Oh, my gosh. And this was actually one of the things that we brought up in the Sacramento airport just a few days ago. Yes, it was. And it was still a little raw <laughs> for um, Paige. Because I just, I guess neither one of us wanted to back down on this. And, and I said, Paige asked, she asked me, uh, would you have changed that? And I said, no, I don't think I would have. And that made me mad. And that made you mad. Um, but what, you know, would I do it now? No. I mean, now the, the kids, they don't even ask for soda. It's really kind of funny. Some do, but most of them don't. They just always. And if they water. did, it wouldn't be a big deal no, now. It wouldn't like be it a big just, deal. it's, it's. Oh wait, the kids are hearing this. Yeah, kids. <laughs> you can order soda all you want as long as you pay for it. <laughs> but it's just, it's those little things that we dig our heels in, and I just kept thinking, why is this a big deal to him? Just pay the stinking twenty bucks and move but on with for life. For some reason, it was a big deal. It was me. a big I, deal. I don't even know and why. so I guess what we need to understand is, I mean. There were, it was a big deal to you. I kept being mad that it was a big deal. I'm just like, just get over this. And It's those small little things. Maybe yes. I was just holding on to, I needed my, to show that I was in charge. Well, because so many things that we have to compromise or just completely <sighs> give in on. Yeah. On the first year, you do. You just have to compromise or give in. And so maybe this is just one thing you didn't want to do. That, that was on. maybe the one thing I couldn't handle. <laughs> But it is. It's the little things. All these little things. They add up. They add up. Yeah, it's, they absolutely yeah. do. Well, a, another thing that we have to remember our kids when we're blending these families too. Remember, their lives are completely turned upside down, especially if you're moving them from one city to another. And you have to be mindful of what, how they're feeling and what they're going through. We did put all of our kids into some kind of counseling, someone to talk to. But that wasn't always enough. And in some situations, like Jake decided to rebel. Oh, yes. Such a rebel. Such a rebel. He, um, we, don't, we, we don't want our kids drinking caffeinated drinks just because I don't want them bouncing off the walls. And Jake was a Mountain Dew drinker, and he created a mausoleum of uh, Mountain Dew in his room. It was a montage. A mo- I, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. It looks more like a, a temple yes. of uh, Mountain Dew. His it, whole wall was covered his with whole Mountain wall. Dew counts. It, yeah. was, it was kind of in your face, Darren. I'm going to drink Mountain Dew whether you want me to or not. This was our 16-year-old. Yes. And um, so. yes. So we, we didn't allow him to keep it in the fridge in the house because we didn't want the little kids to get a hold of Mountain Dew. That's yes, for that's sure. all you need is a four-year-old on Mountain Dew. Yeah, but Jake uh, had plenty in his bedroom. Yes, and he, he had. But you know what? You just have to kind of let things like that go with uh, teenagers, especially. They're they're already hurting. There's and... still yeah, there still needs to be boundaries, but you have to give them some right some wiggle room. If you give them complete carte blanche, you're going to have a lot of problems. Oh no, and we we're not like that. But another an, our other so we have two Jacobs. I think we've mentioned this. We have Jacob and Jacob. So my Jacob is Jake, and your Jacob is, is Jacob. Jacob. Yeah, and. He wanted to, this was a couple of years later, but he wanted to grow his hair long. Grow his hair long. Uh, oh, and it was I, so awful. Jacob, I want you to know that never would have happened without me in your life. That is absolutely true. <laughs> I would have probably drugged him and uh, shaved his head bald. And I. It was so gross. It, it, it did not look, it, it did not look, look well. And, and he it smelled. Oh, he will awful. admit that. But um, yes, Jacob, I definitely calmed your dad down about that and just said let him do it let him grow his hair long and it did get pretty long
Okay, so what were some of the things that we did that helped us get through that first year? Because it was pretty rough. We There were several arguments and fights. Um, and so what made it so that we actually survived? More than several. Oh my gosh. we It was, it was really hard. Um, so yeah, we talked about this a little while ago. What are our, our big things that got us through? And one of them was our marriage counseling. Absolutely. In fact, the day we got engaged... We had our first marriage counseling session together. Yeah, should we talk about that for just one moment? Uh, no. <laughs> so, okay, let me set the stage here. Okay. Darren proposes. Beautiful proposal. We went and picked out the ring right after you proposed. We went. We then went to marriage counseling, our first yes. marriage counseling. It was, it was very good. It was very good. We loved our counselor. Um, we then went to dinner. At the Olive Garden. I don't know why we picked the Olive Olive Garden. Garden. We never eat at Olive Garden. So anyway, we went to the Olive Garden. And then we decided at dinner. It would be respectful. It would be respectful for us to call our ex-spouses and inform them that we were engaged. We thought that was the right thing to do so they don't hear it from someone else. Right. So we went to the car. And I tried to call my ex and he didn't answer. And you called your ex and she did answer. And you talked to her and talked to her. And talked to her. Eventually the car ran out of oh, gas. Oh my goodness. So I got out of the car. I was so steamed that you kept kept talking. I got out of the car, slammed the door, sat outside for another 20 minutes while you still talked to her. It wasn't 20 minutes. It was so long. <laughs> and he finally came out of the car. and I was still trying to na- na- navigate the emotions that you have with your ex-spouse. Right. Those are, t- those are tough. I yes. mean, we were married for 20 years. Right. I was trying to show respect. There's still emotions involved there. Yes. Not always positive emotions because we went through a divorce. Right. So it was hard for me to work through. And you were actually pretty understanding. It took a little bit of time to calm down. But I just, that night, I was just like, this is, you know, this wonderful thing that would just happen. We just got engaged. And I felt like here you just spent 30 minutes on the phone with your ex-wife. And anyway, I. Right. But let's get back to marriage counseling. (laughs) Because the marriage counselor actually actually helped us get through that part. Yes. And some of the things that she taught us how to do was to communicate effectively. In fact, towards the end of our our year, when we would head to the marriage counselor, we'd resolve any concerns we had on our way there. We would, yes. And then um, she would ask us how we did that. And then it would reaffirm how we learned how to empathize with with each other. Because we come with a lot of baggage. Um, of 20 years of marriage before us. Right. And, um, you know, you kind of feel somewhat damaged, frankly. Yeah, definitely. Um, your emo- emotions tend to be a little heightened. And so she really taught us how to empathize. And one of the cool things that she taught us was to give your spouse the benefit of the doubt. Yes, definitely. She did. And I remember one of the things that she taught us was something that you thought was cute when you were dating or maybe very first married and now it's irritating you like uh, constant laughter constant laughter yes yeah one of the reasons darren married me was because i laugh and you have fun we have fun yeah but in that first year laughter was one of the things that saved us and annoyed me like no get out yeah it did it doesn't anymore i really appreciate the laughter and levity that uh you bring but when we were having a discussion or an argument, you would bring laughter in. And it was like, I'm trying to get my point across. And I would try and lighten the moment. And you would try and lighten the moments. We learned how to, how to work through that. But I would say all the things that we learned about, 
the number one thing there was giving your spouse the benefit of the doubt. They really love you. Right. They're not trying to hurt you. They may say something that does hurt you, but it's not out of malice. Right. And to not find fault in your spouse, but to always look for the best. Well, and one of the things we really had to learn was our communication styles, right? Yes. You like to, when we get in a fight. I want to discuss it. Yes. You want to hash it it out. Let's hash it out right now. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And I... Want to get quiet. I want to think about it. I want to think about the situation. I want to calm it down. I want to think about what I want to say. And sometimes... It drives me crazy. It does drive you crazy. And sometimes... When you're in the heat of the moment, I don't even want to talk to you no, because you don't. <laughs> I know that if we wait an hour, it'll be better. It'll be so much more productive than talking about it right now. So we have that was hard in the first year. It was, but we've we've gotten a lot better because we understand each other better, and we understand that we really want each other to succeed. We do, but hold on, we're making this too Pollyanna, Darren. We're making this too Pollyanna. There's good news here. No, no, no. You're making this too too Pollyanna. There were many times. I want people to know. There were so many times where I got in that car and drove off in our first year of marriage. How many times did I do that? Maybe four or five times. Four or five times. I was like, not that, you know, wasn't that I'd had it with our marriage, but I'd had it at the moment. And I was just like, I'm out of here. I drive to Winco. I drive down the street. I drive to the lake. But we had many, many arguments but we got through them by learning how to communicate effectively yes right and even even um last what friday when we first went over this and you started getting heated about some of the memories that were coming up we got over that pretty quick it only took because because you realized that i was right yeah that's exactly (laughs) right (laughs) yeah that's exactly what i was thinking so, as you can tell, the, the key things that helped us get through was communication, laughter. And? Time that we got to spend alone without the kids also was very good. And intimacy. Intimacy, definitely. And not wanting to fail. Yeah, absolutely. We did, I mean, so many times in that first year of marriage, we just I, I, when I would just go, oh my goodness, I can't, this is so hard, this is so hard. And I'd go, I do not want another marriage to fail. I mean, really. I mean, if we're just being brutally honest here... We just had determination, right? Yes, we did. Yeah, we fought. We fought for this. We fought for this. And we fought for each other. We fought for each other. And I think that's what really made the difference. All right, so the funny moment of the week uh, this week was actually happened on our trip to my dad's uh, 80th birthday. Yes, we had a great time with your siblings and your parents in Vegas just for 24 hours. Yeah, and we got there. to talk to my, my siblings about accepting uh, Paige into the family, which was good. We got some great uh, quotes from them and some ideas from them for our next podcast, which is actually going to talk about uh, being accepted into an extended family. But the funny moment happened when uh, I got a little bit of a sunburn. Yeah, you got a sunburn and you put sunscreen on your face and... You, you had some kind of allergic reaction. First time I've ever had an allergic reaction. Yeah, his eye was like swollen shut. His nose is just dripping. So by the time we got to the airport uh, later that evening, <laughs> as we sat through Donnie and Marie, shout out to Donnie and Marie show. It was great. It was great. After the show, we headed to the airport. And by the time I got through security, my one eye was shut and I looked like the guy from Hitch. <laughs> 
And um, I wish we would have gotten a picture. We Dang should have gotten it. a picture. That would have been great. Darn. Luckily, the the convenience store at the airport had a Benadryl, so I took three Benadryl, and I was out cold on the airplane. It was wonderful. Um, but yeah, thanks was, Vegas. Thanks Vegas. Yeah, what happens in Vegas goes with you afterwards, <laughs> obviously. If you like today's episode. Give us five stars on iTunes, Spotify, Google. And head to Facebook and like us. And check out our blog at wheresthelemonade.org. Where you can leave questions and comments. And, but most of all, go out and make some lemonade. You betcha, baby. On our next episode, we're going to talk about being accepted into the extended family. Each family is very different. Sure is. <laughs>